Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Excellent. Well, good evening. Uh, it's Dr. Krishna, right? Yes. Awesome. Dr. Krishna, thank you for joining us at Healthy Perspectives. Uh, real quick, I want to tell the audience a little bit about Dr. Krishna. Um, he was trained as a doctor in India, moved to the UK, and was a spinal surgeon. My understanding, it was about 30 years. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, lives currently in Yorkshire, England. And uh, since he has uh, moved to, I'm going to say at least a second, maybe a third or fourth career, um, you, you've really moved a lot of time and energy and resources into the Human Wisdom Project uh, in, in, in hopes of trying to help as many people as you can. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Awesome. Well, um, is there any other highlights from your journey, uh, you know, professional journey that, that are, uh, you want to highlight right away? No. Uh, just let's keep rolling. Excellent. Um, Dr. Krishna has two books out. Uh, one just recently came out and one came out in 2017. The one that came out in 2017 is understanding me, understanding you and inquiry into being human. And then the one that just recently came out, I believe in July is called stress-free. So if you want to do me a favor, I would love to just get a, a, a real brief synopsis of the, the, the two books. Uh, just tell us a little bit about those, and then we'll, we'll get on with the questions that we have. Okay. So, you know, just like our heart works in the same way, yours and mine, and everyone else's, our minds work in the same way too. And just like scientists studied the heart, and in that study, found ways of preventing and solving problems linked to the heart. Similarly, understanding the way our shared human mind functions can help us do the same, can help us prevent problems and overcome them. So the first book really explored that whole landscape of how we are the same human being deep down, you and I. You might be American, I mean, be British or Indian. But our mind functions in the same way. Every emotion that you have, I have, and, and so on. And that understanding brings its own clarity, let's call it wisdom. And that light that we can shine on, the hidden patterns of thinking that shape our lives, allows us to live with joy, without anxiety and stress, make the right choices in our lives, live with compassion, goodness, and really make the most of the life we have on this planet. Doesn't matter what you do on the outside. Your life on the outside can be really ordinary. But if you live with this wisdom on the inside, it can be extraordinary. And that's really the nub of the first book or the message. And the second book 
focuses, goes deeper and says, 80% of the population is stressed, as you know. And it affects our lifespan and it causes every medical condition from the common cold to cancer. Besides, of course, the mental health problems. And it shortens our lifespan too. Now, the human mind assumes stress comes from the outside. Like if you're in a traffic jam, for example. But not everybody in that traffic jam is stressed and not to the same degree. So if you want to get rid of your stress because you want to have a healthy life, there's only three things you can do. Either you can get rid of the traffic jam, which often is not possible, or you can substitute that word traffic jam for anything else in your life. Or you can accept things as they are. Or you can change the way your mind reacts to that event. And if you want to change the way your mind reacts to an event, you have to understand where the reaction comes from. And that again requires you to go inwards, understand yourself, how your mind functions. And in that journey, then no matter what challenge turns up, you can respond with a calm mind. And it's possible. So that's the summary of both the books there. Excellent. Excellent. I'm I'm uh, particularly fascinated by the, the the concept of stress is really common for me to address in what I do, and the idea that it's perceived as an external issue, uh, when in fact there could be uh, a lot of internal mechanisms that are actually creating it. Uh, I would be uh, that that's just a fascinating topic. You know, the idea of of the individual having more power than sometimes we think to influence our own ability to see, perceive accurately what's going yeah. on around us. Yes, I mean, most people find that idea really difficult to imagine. I mean, if someone is criticizing me, how can I as think of any other way that they're causing my stress? For example, you see, mm-hmm. but no two people react in the same way to the same situation. I'll tell you a story. I, When I was a surgeon practicing, I had two secretaries who worked part-time, a job shared. I hope they're not listening to this. <laughs> so one of them was really calm. She came in in the morning, went in the evening, sang songs all day and was, did a happy job. The other lady, who I love dearly too, was super stressed. Manoj, the phone never stops ringing. There's too much to do. The type, And she went on and on. But I said, look, the other person's doing the same job and happy. How come? No, she always blamed the job, not realizing that it was her reaction to exactly the same job that was causing her stress. She didn't see it. When she saw it, things changed. See, Then she yeah. took ownership. So the book and the Human Wisdom app, which we've created, lists almost 15 hidden patterns of thinking that we're not aware of that are responsible for our own stress. And once you see them clearly, you know, a big chunk of your stress disappears immediately. Mm-hmm. Give us a, a couple of examples of those uh, those hidden. Okay. All right. So let me give you a simple example. Let's start with one. Say you're my brother. Okay. And I'm just an ordinary school teacher on a, you know, just barely make ends meet. And you're in the city, you're a banker, and you just send me pictures of your holidays in the Hawaii or wherever, you know, in a posh hotel. And before I know it, I am reacting to that. I'm jealous. 
I'm feeling angry. I'm blaming you for how I'm feeling. I'm hurting. I'm also feeling a little bit worthless. What am I doing being a teacher? I can't afford these holidays. And look at Jeremiah. He's off having a jolly time and so on. And I get myself into a real twist. And I'm not going to talk to you again. We just become, and we start drifting apart. There's a simple question that opens a door to wisdom. And that is, what's going on in my thinking or in my mind to make me feel this way? And that question then takes me deeper. And I realize my mind is comparing all the time, unconsciously, without my awareness. It's a natural function of thinking and an essential part of life. Right? The moment I realize it's me, it's my mind or the human mind, not even me personally, it's the human mind that's doing it. And I wake up to it. The first thing I do is stop blaming you for how I'm feeling. So our relationship doesn't get soured. And then I ask myself, what other ways does my mind compare? And then I wake up and realize there's a whole bunch of other things. And then I ask myself a question, which I asked a 13-year-old girl. And I will share that with you now. I asked her, how would her life change? This is a group of teenagers in a school. How would your life change? If you were in charge of your life, right, and you are, your mind compared itself to others only when it needed to, when it served you, and not automatically like it does right now. See, at the moment, it's like you sit in a car and the car decides where you're going. <laughs> Whereas... Living with wisdom, which is with this deeper understanding, means you get in the car and you decide where the car is going. So you're in charge. You compare when you need to. And you know what she said? She's only 13, remember? She said, I would be free. Mm -hmm. So for me, can you see how simple this understanding is? But how profound the impact could be on all our lives. Then I could realize as a teacher, hey, I've got enough. I've got a really fulfilling job. I've got a, I've got everything I need here to be happy. You know. Sure. But it's, it's only it's, my, it's, comparing myself with you that I'm making myself stressed and unhappy. And that's just one example. And there are fifteen more if you want to read the book. Yeah, no, no, that that was a, a great example. I appreciate you sharing it. Um, it, it it makes me uh, uh, think about the the, the idea that. Even if we convince ourselves we're not driving the car, we're still getting in the car and we're still going. And so the 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 fact that we're not giving ourselves credit for getting in the car to go is is really us deferring that responsibility to the world around us or to another person or we're giving it away. I mean, ultimately we're we're choosing that the path is not hours to choose yes and i think just being aware of what's happening in the deeper layers of our own thinking mm -hmm. awakens this wisdom if you like yeah. it comes from just looking and learning about ourselves simply and it doesn't require a degree you know mm. like you don't need a degree to learn to swim or to watch a bird fly across the sky right you see you know it's simple no, it's good no, that's good. I agree. Um, okay. 
So this is this is great synopsis of the books. I very much appreciate the examples. I I'm really just curious here. What happened in your life that moved you to seek these internal explanations for this experience that we have in our world? I've been tinkering or I've been curious about our own mind, my mind, which I realized eventually was a human mind since I was a, a young boy. But what really brought it to a head for me was I was driving home one day from a long day in surgery and a hospital in the Middle East got bombed, a children's hospital. And the kids were screaming on the radio. And I just felt moved. And I felt we human beings need to do better. We can do better. We have the intelligence and the wisdom to do better. We just need to access it. It's already in each human being, do you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we can do that, not only can we live in peace with ourselves, we can bring peace to the world. Mm-hmm. That's when I left medicine and started on this journey. Oh, that's great. Uh, so you talked about, I mean, this is obviously, that's that's a tragic uh, experience that many people were having at the same time. Yes. How can we help people that are maybe ordinary people that haven't had that tragedy get to that same point of drive to find out how they work? Yes. You know, I'd ask a simple question. Like, do you want to be free of suffering? Hmm. And Suppose I said to you that uh, there is something really beautiful here that could help you end your own suffering. Would you be curious to find out? And if the answer is yes, then I would hold their hand and take them through the understanding I have, which is, by the way, not mine uniquely. So that's why it's called the Human Wisdom Project. Mm -hmm. It belongs to all of humanity. I think every human being wants to live in peace. Right? and wants to end, live without suffering and with love. Of course, as you know, if you're suffering, you can't love. If you can't love, you can't get love. If you can't get love, your suffering just increases. So it's so vital that we end and heal our own suffering so that we can let love into our lives, right? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, I've done other podcasts on uh, the idea of, of the relationship between pain and, and love. Yes. Uh, and, and in those, I mean, they, unfortunately, they tend to go hand in hand because when we love deeply, we risk really big suffering. Yes. Uh, it, you know, if, if the love doesn't pan out, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's our, our own mistakes or, or environmental issues or whatever, the hurt is, is real and it's deep. And yet, if we're not willing to take that risk, then, then we don't love deeply and we can't be loved deeply. Yes. You know, maybe it's a subject of another podcast. <laughs> I think it's possible to love without suffering. I really yeah, do. I, I, I 100% agree with that. What, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is, it's not that you, that you have to suffer. No. It's you risk 
suffering. When we love deeply, that risk is there and it's real. Even if it never comes, hopefully it never comes. But in order to love deeply, there's a, there's a, a real vulnerability in it that we could be hurt deeply. Yes. And I think that's a good risk to take personally, uh, in my, my own experience. So the point I was making was slightly different, which is okay. that if I'm suffering from, say, some past trauma or, you know, stress, my mind, 99% of it is focused on my own suffering. Because it's like a fire in my brain. I can't think of anything else, least of all the people in my life. And if I can't think about and make space for other people, then of course I can't create the conditions to love them. And if I can't love other people, I'm not going to get any love back. And I think the point you're making is also valid, which is you have to be vulnerable to love and so on. But I mean, in terms of the relationship with stress and love, we have to find a way of healing our own inner suffering if we are to love others and therefore invite love in our life. Yeah. So you, I, if I heard you correctly, you're you're really referencing those blocks, those those interferences to us functioning at at our best. Yes, yes, and they come from inside us, but we don't see it. Just like we don't see the way our heart is beating, we don't see these internal blocks, if you want to call it that, or just the hidden patterns in which we are the way our mind functions. They're in the background. For example, if you and I get into a relationship, say we are friends, we're both looking to get our emotional needs met from each other. But without realizing that's what's happening in the background. Mm -hmm. And if you can meet my emotional needs, I'll say, hey, we're great friends. And the day you stop meeting my emotional needs, we stop being friends. And then I'll say, Thank you, bye-bye, and I'll move on, and you will move on, and so on. So once you become aware of this going on in the background, then you can wake up and have a conversation about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, so the the part there that challenges me is the the idea of the cost-benefit analysis, right? Which I know is a business term, not a social science term, but the idea that while you have value, I'm in. But once you cease to have value to me, then then I'm probably out. Um, I I think, and, and I mean, I guess I'm curious about what your perspective is on this. From my perspective, uh, I I think we can love in spite of the value a person brings in. Of course, it takes knowing ourselves and our own limitations. Like you would, I'm guessing you would say is probably a good thing. Uh, but can we love in spite of the person bringing very little to the table, or maybe in some cases, actually, you know, less than zero, they're, they're actually more of a pain than they're worth, but we stay in it anyway. Is that yeah. possible? Well, you can see an example with children, when you baby, newborn babies are born, you know, we get all sorts of things from them, but they we give them much more than we get, right? Mm-hmm. So it's biologically evident, self-evident. But as adults, I mean, you only have to look at couples who are together and then they start separating or divorcing. 
mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose, right? That keeps a whole industry of lawyers, you know, in, uh, you know, alive, if you like, or more than. So what's going on? And I think what's going on is the sense of hurt we feel when our needs are not being met. And when we are hurting, then from that hurt, we respond with anger. And we blame the other person for how we are feeling. That's just the way the mind is wired. So we can love unconditionally. We absolutely can. But for that, we need, as you said, to go inwards, to understand ourselves, to be at peace with ourselves. Mm-hmm. How many people are at peace with themselves? See? Yeah. So how would a person uh, get to that that place where they can love unconditionally without without losing themselves? So it's like saying, how does someone do the butterfly stroke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for example, That's a good one, right? It's a complex swimming stroke, right? Sure. Hey, so the first thing you need to do is go to the pool, get in the water, start learning to swim. So, and gradually, as you develop the skills, then you can advance and learn all these things. So I think the world is missing a trick in education. But we're only educating children and ourselves about the world around us, but not about ourselves and how our minds function. And if we could do that, Jeremiah, then these skills would become as much part of our lives as learning to swim. You know, everyone knows how to swim, for example, or ride a bicycle. It's definitely possible. And by the way, it's quite simple. Because children as young as 10 get it like that when I talk to them. I could sit here all day and tell you stories about what they say. It's just absolutely charming. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Um, you know, the idea of the... There is an interesting societal factor when it comes to looking at the the outside of us, right? The We, we have our own internal mechanisms, and then the, you've got this external beast that is our, our social networks and our world and our countries. And our, I mean, you can go all the way up, right? Um, and getting that balance point where people are, are focusing on themselves and the world around them. I mean, it, it does come with, uh, what, what do you do if a person were to uh, get so focused on their own internal mechanisms that they then started losing track of the external world around them? You know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> okay. I really tell you, because the more you see, there's a difference between narcissism and self-absorption, which is I'm just thinking about me, myself, my thoughts, my past, my experiences. I just want to talk about my holidays and my trauma. And I'm not interested in what you have to say at all, Jeremiah. You know, that's narcissism. That's different. Mm-hmm. Self-inquiry or in- inquiry, as they say in the U.S., uh, or self-learning is like observing this bird fly across the sky. Like you observe this process of comparison operating in your thinking 
how it's making you get angry at Jeremiah, you know, how it's straining your relationship. You're watching all that really carefully. And in that, you're saying, that's not wise. That doesn't make sense. See? So it's very different. And I think it's absolutely possible. In fact, it makes your life so much easier if you live with this deeper clarity an understanding of yourself and the deeper layers of your thinking, because my heart's the same as yours, right? So when I know that you and I are the same human being, that awakens compassion. So even yeah. though you're behaving in a way that's irritating me, I know why that's happening, right? And I have yeah. compassion because deep down I'm the same as you are. So would you, would you suggest that if you hurt another person, that you are inherently hurting yourself? Well, in the sense that if you're in a relationship, how can there be any love if, the, if you've hurt another person? If you love somebody, if you hurt them, of course you feel their pain. Otherwise, you're not in a relationship. You don't really love that person, you know? If you don't feel the pain of another person, then, um, yeah. And I think this is what the human race needs to do, right? We need to travel towards a greater compassion. Sure. For ourselves and for the people we live with and then the wider world. And of course including the earth we live on, right? Sure. Yeah, so the the idea of empathy and compassion, I'm 100% on board with you. (laughs) Those are topics I've covered many times because I have found them uh, to be key elements in the process of, uh, you know, self-development and healthy interactions with the world around us. Yes. Um, And getting other people in the world to see those, the value of those can be very challenging. I, I, uh, a little side note here. I have noticed a massive, in, in the clinical world, a massive increase in narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. uh, if not full on narcissism. And not just, you know, with, with a certain subcategory within, within our, our, our country or our world. Um, you know, I've seen it on a massive scale through lots of times social media, uh, which I've talked about on here. Yeah. Um, so what we have to all recognize is that we are the same human being as that person who is narcissistic. It's just a question of degree, right? Because the human mind is rooted in self-interest. If we're really honest, that's what our mind is doing. It's absorbed with itself from morning to evening. But it's just heightened in that group of people. Sure. And it's just their lack of awareness of what's happening in their own thinking, in their own lives. So what the Human Wisdom Project's doing really is holding up a mirror, saying, hey, have a good look at yourself and look at yourself with kindness, with acceptance, with compassion, not judging yourself as you know bad and wrong. May I say something about compassion? I had this beautiful conversation with a Scottish priest. 
We were talking about Corinthians 13. It's a beautiful piece from the Bible, even though I'm not religious in the classic sense. The piece is beautiful. It talks about love and all that. And what wisdom offers is a way of asking what gets in the way of living with compassion. See, you might have an intention of living with compassion, but it's not enough. You need to understand what are the hidden drivers in your own thinking that stop you from living with compassion. And that question then takes those roadblocks away, and then you can live with compassion. Yeah. No, that's that's good. It's interesting. Um, hmm. Well, just a moment ago, you talked about, like, I guess I'm curious, what's your perspective on sacrificial love then? If really, um, well, yeah, just what's your perspective on sacrificial love? Okay, take a moment to explain. Give me an example of that. What do you mean? Yeah, okay, so you were talking about if if you're hurting uh, somebody else, you're hurting yourself. Does that mean that sacrificial love would be put on a pedestal? Because if you're loving someone else, maybe more than they deserve, that you're giving a, a, a the world something that it 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 needs at a certain level. You know, I could. Uh, <laughs> there's so many aspects I of know. that statement that I could disagree with. I don't think you can divide love up like that. Ah, explain I think, that. I think love is just love. Love is about acceptance. See, the word love isn't the fact of love. The word water doesn't give you tell you what it tastes like. You understand? Yeah. So if you break that word down, say what is in, involved in it? I'd say there's acceptance, would you say? Acceptance of the other as they are, acceptance of yourself as you are, the ability to listen deeply, the ability to care, you know, to have empathy, and to do things for the other person's benefit. Yeah. So, you know, that's all. So for me, it's just love is just love. Yeah. It's not sacrificial love. How do you know what someone deserves and doesn't deserve? I think all those words get in the way of loving, if you know what I mean. I think, well, first of all, I, I was saying that just to challenge the concept and not necessarily because yeah. if you if you listened to some of my podcasts, I did a, a four part series on love. Uh, I very much believe that the agape style love, the idea of accepting somebody who they were, who they are, and who they can become, mm-hmm. is that all encompassing. Uh, you know what we're striving toward relationally as people. Um, so more more or less, I'm saying I, I mostly was challenging it because I, I was really curious what your thoughts were on the idea uh, of sacrificial love because it does get pushed in a lot of cultures. The idea that you have to sacrifice in order to show your love. And I don't necessarily actually even agree with that in the sense that it's not about what you show. It's about how you show up. Yes. It's, it's, you know, the best way to describe it is it's a fragrance in the room. (laughs) You know, it's a thing of beauty. For sure. I agree with that. (laughs) Too much analysis of it 
you know, it just kills it. The fragrance is gone. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I discovered in doing the the four-part series on it. It's so complex that no matter what I was going to do, it wasn't going to be right. It wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't going to be sufficient. And so I actually defaulted to this idea of take a nugget or two that you can learn from to create curiosity yeah. and, and use that until you get to the next nugget that works for you and, and just keep learning through that, that pathway. Um, because I, I, I could said about curiosity. Yeah. For me, that's the key to wisdom to be curious about what's going on in yourself and even about the word love just to be curious. Yeah. What, you know, what, what getting in the way of me loving someone? Cause the answers are inside me. And if the more I go deeper and get those roadblocks out of the way, then my heart is open. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, keeping an eye on the time. So we make sure we don't go too much over. Cause I, I mean, I got a whole list of questions I'm not going to get to, which is fine. Um, how can my audience today become more aware? What is What are the like one or two tools that you think you can just say, Hey, if they would one, two, it would improve their awareness today. Okay. So what I'd say is we've put a lot of work into developing all this information inside the Human Wisdom app, which is free to download and browse. So, you know, we have a telescope to look at the heavens, right? The astronomer has a telescope. We don't have a telescope to look inside. All we have is our own intelligence. So we need to learn the art of inquiry the art of looking at ourselves clearly as we are. That's not easy to do. It's a first step. It's the foundation on which wisdom is built. So let me give you a couple of pointers there. The first thing is to look without judgment. To suspend this judgment. The mind is always judging, right, wrong, good, bad. Suspend judgment. To be able to look at ourselves almost without thinking. You know, when your bird's flying across the sky, I love that. You don't think about it. You just watch it, right? Or you can watch a cloud float by. Similarly, you can learn about the emotions and thoughts that are rising in you and just observe them. They call it choiceless awareness. It's a skill we can all learn. And this leads to another word, which is very powerful. That's insight. That means when something is seen clearly, it brings transformation. Like when I see clearly that I'm falling out with my brother because my mind is comparing all the time. And I'm saying, look what I'm losing, about to lose this beautiful relationship because of something that's happening in my thinking that I wasn't aware of. It's a eureka moment. It's like, oh, my God. You know, you yeah. wake up, you open your eyes. So there's awareness, there's insight, there's looking without judgment and looking without language. And all of these are really skills to learn, like swimming, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I very much appreciate that. It, 
Uh, it reminds me of uh, the 12 step program for Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes. Step number four says, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of, uh, of really just accepting that whatever we think and whatever we feel, it's there for some reason. Let go of the idea that you need to understand it and just accept it. And the understanding will come. Yes. Accepting ourselves as we are. So accepting mm-hmm. that I'm jealous. Because many people hate, they can't stand that. They can't because the mm-hmm. church or whatever their religion tells them, you can't be jealous. So I'm jealous and then I've got guilt and then I'm totally confused. No. Sure. But here we just say, okay, I accept I'm jealous. And then I'm curious. Yeah. What's going on? Why? Why am I jealous? What's going on in me to make me feel this way? And that's the question that opens the door to wisdom. So questions are the key, along with all the other things I've mentioned. So we've got nine modules in this section on the art of inquiry. So it's really beautiful to learn. Good. So give it, give us an, the name of that app again. So that it's called human know. wisdom. It's one word and it's on the, it's on all the stores and okay. uh, free to download browse. Yeah. And uh, have a look, see what you think. Awesome. And the website I've got it down is uh humanwisdom.me. Yeah. And it's all one word, human wisdom. All one word. Human wisdom is one word dot me. Awesome. And the name of the books again, go ahead and remind us. Uh, understanding me, understanding you and stress-free. And, and if you put my name in Amazon, for example, you'll find both the books. Um, and um, in fact, the first book got translated into four languages, or five languages, including Turkish. I don't know how it got to Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, though. I mean, we're getting yeah, yeah. The, the word out there that that we we can uh, transform our lives uh, yes. by taking these little steps. And we can create a better future for yeah. all of humanity. That's the big prize. You see, yeah, absolutely. You know, if we change well, ourselves, we can change the world. For sure. That's, if, that's how it works. It's a ripple. You get enough yes. of them, you make a wave. Yes. Totally, yes. Um, okay, so bef- before I let you go, I, I got to ask one question just to see, uh, just to see um, what comes of it. I'm going to write down a time check. Hold on a second. Thirty-eight. So, if you and I don't know that you have, that's why I wrote down the time check. If if you have listened to any of my podcasts or done anything to to look at uh, the healthy perspectives model, what I'm doing. Was there something that caught your eye that I should know that either can make me better or should encourage me to continue? I think you're doing a great job. I think you have a wonderful curiosity, if I may say so. And you're interested in other people. And I think that's the beginning of wisdom, to be curious about yourself and others. And I think... um, yeah, I think you should have more of these conversations. I'm sure your listeners will benefit enormously. That's my hope. That's my hope. I hope that the uh, listeners with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to check out for the listeners. Hey, as always, uh, 
It's, it's our hope that something in here was helpful to you in your personal journey so that you can get more wise through these skills that you can develop as Dr. Uh, Manoj uh, Krishna has just enlightened us with. So please, please share this with anybody and everybody that you can get the word out there about his books, his website, his, uh, his app, and uh, let people know what's going on. This is all for the benefit of, of our world. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Krishna. I appreciate it. And listeners, thank you for being there. Go ahead and uh, leave comments if you would like. Have a great day. Thank you so much. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives. Make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 